0: and get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MeatEater for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. All
1: right. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. Today, we are celebrating, my friends, we are celebrating some very good news when it comes to public land and wildlife conservation and hunting and hiking and fishing and just about anything else related to access to the outdoors in America. Because a new bill was introduced this week with bipartisan support called the Great American Outdoors Act, and it is accomplishing several very important things that hunters and anglers and other conservationists have been working on for a long time. And it seems, knock on wood, barring some kind of disaster, that there is support to pass this thing into law. And this is all happening. It's all happening as far as I can tell, at least, because you guys and a whole lot of other folks across the country have rallied around these causes of public lands and conservation and wild places and made it just plain required, made it necessary for politicians to start paying attention and to start supporting this stuff. Uh, You know, I wrote in my book, That Wild Country, right towards the end, I wrote about the fact that, you know, while there are myriad challenges to conservation and public lands, while these challenges and these attacks are going to keep coming forever and ever and ever, history has also shown that when Americans come together, regardless of our other differences, When we come together, we can protect these places and the animals we care about and the resources. And that's what's been going on these past few years. It's exactly what I've hoped and prayed would be possible, and it's happening. Cabela shoppers and REI shoppers, Republicans and Democrats, rural and urban folks are all setting aside labels and team colors. And they're coming together to protect our wild places and wild animals. And and I really think that we are... We're a part of something right now. There's a moment. I think that what we're seeing here today and over the last year or two, it's going to be written about someday in history books. Just like I wrote about stuff going on in the early 1900s and the 1930s and 40s and then the 1960s and 70s. Someday, people are going to be writing about the late teens and early 20s of how there were all these immense challenges to these places and animals and our environment and how a bunch of people rallied around them and made a big difference that's happening right now. And I'm pumped. I'm really, I'm really proud and I'm encouraged. I'm excited about what this community is doing. So that is what we're going to talk about today with Lan Tawny of backcountry hunters and anglers who's been leading the charge on a lot of these issues that we're going to cover. So that's the plan. Without much further ado, though, we're going to take a very quick break to thank our friends at Lacrosse Boots, and then we will get right into it. No pre-MBS show today. I just want to talk about this very exciting development. Now, let's get to chatting with Land Tawny. All right, I'm excited now to have with me on the line, Land Tawny. Welcome back, Land. It's good to be back, Mark. Like we were just saying uh, before I started recording, I'm... Excited that we have such a good reason to be chatting today. It's a, uh, there's a good mood in the air right now, isn't
2: there? No, oh, man, it's i uh,
1: am I'm, I'm uh, ecstatic right now. and am like glowing. Uh, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> so, so explain to folks why you are so, so excited. You just said something to me that, um, that's pretty cool how you see this fitting into the bigger picture scheme of things. Um, yeah, uh, What what level of excitement are we talking about here with uh, with the Great American Outdoors Act?
2: You know, I think that um, this is probably when I've been doing this kind of work for 20 years and I would put this at the top of like any kind of accomplishment that I've been a part of. And and there's been, you know, lots of wins in those 20 years. um, But the idea that this, you know, was first passed in 1964 in such a bipartisan fashion. Uh, last year, when it was permanently authorized, Land and Water Conservation Fund at 92 to eight in the Senate and 363 to 62 in the House, like that was momentum. But we didn't get the money. And so what this is doing, this Great American Outdoors Act is doing, is actually full and dedicated funding at 900 million dollars. And you know, this means that permanently every single year we'll have $900 million to work on conservation access in this country. And to me, you know, that's the way we we grow this great estate that we already own, right? That's 640 million acres that you and I and everybody else listening to this owns. This is the deal on making sure that when we have access to those lands, but also growing that estate. And so I can't be more excited about this. And I think, you know, the, the bipartisan fashion that is going on here, like I'm at, I, like, Congress doesn't get together and do stuff that much anymore. And this is just, it's, I'm, I, again, like, I'm, I'm ecstatic <laughs> about it.
1: Yeah. It's, it is, it's relatively unprecedented for decades and decades. I feel like we haven't seen anything like this other than, you know, the progress made last year. Um, we're harkening right. back to those 60s and 70s kind of achievements back in that, you know, that sort of environmental movement time period. But but I want, before we get into that, I got to rewind the tape just a little bit and make sure we provide the right background for people that are jumping into this late that aren't familiar. Um, you know, you and I talked last year after the Dingle johnson Act passed about the LWCF, but I still, let's just hammer it out one more time. For people that aren't familiar, what is the Land and Water Conservation Fund? Give us like the quick spiel on that. And then can you catch us up to speed on, on, on what happened last year? And then what, and you kind of just did, I guess, tell us what happens now if this passes, but, but give us that background really quick if you can.
2: Sure. Yeah. So uh, back in 1964, uh, folks got together. There was starting to be oil and gas development that was happening in the Gulf of Mexico. And Congress got together and they said, you know, we're taking away from one resource. Let's give back from that to other resources. And so that's when the Land and Water Conservation Fund was really established. And back then, I think it was like in the Senate, I don't know what the House vote was, but I think it was like 99 to one, you know, that they voted on this. And so overwhelming support from both sides of the aisle on this piece. And what it does is it takes uh, excise taxes uh, from that oil and gas kind of piece and puts that into uh, conservation in all all 50 states have used it. And I think it's like 99% of the counties in America have had some land and water conservation project. And so what is that money used for? That money is used for, um, you know, swimming pools and tennis courts. It's used for fishing access sites. You know, in my home state of Montana, 70% of our fishing access sites are paid for by the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Um, And then it goes for, you know, some large kind of uh, purchases. And and to me, you know, those large purchases in particular can add to, again, that public estate of 640 million acres. But almost even more essential is the ability to get to some of that inaccessible public land that you and I own right now that we can't get to. And this is like the tool basically to get us to that. And, and so, you know, it's universally been used. Uh, Again, 99% of the counties, and I think about like rural America in particular, where they don't have the tax base to build parks. uh, This has been absolutely essential. You know, my, <clears throat> My kids in Missoula, Montana, they play on um, soccer fields uh, that were paid for by the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And then we also use fishing access sites that are right in downtown Missoula that were paid for by the Land and Water Conservation Fund. So to me, you know, this this is uh, it's it's pretty awesome. And what's been going on, you know, until now, and this isn't passed yet, I think that everybody should understand that, that you really need to call your senators um, and it's gonna go over into the house after that, but call your senators. And I think that number is 202-224-3121 and ask them to pass the Get Outdoors. Um, I think it's three, four, it's, it's Senate bill 3422. And to me, um, we gotta get that done. But like, again, like this is, we've had to go to the appropriations process every single year. And so, Land and Water Conservation Fund, it's only, it's been authorized at $900 million, but it's only been fully funded once at $900 million. And so through that, this entire, you know, like, I guess, uh, career of the or existence of the Land and Water Conservation Fund, it's only been funded once, uh, fully. And so we have to go back every single year to Congress and beg and plead and we have to make, you know, phone calls to try to get us as much as we can. And that has been ranged from about 300 to 450 million here in the last, uh, recent past and and now that goes away so now this will be permanently authorized at 900 million dollars and not only are we getting the land and water conservation fund but we're also getting two billion dollars two billion dollars with a b for backlog maintenance on our public lands so that's national parks that's u.s fish and wildlife service that's forest service that's bureau of land management Like that'll happen for five years. And so it won't address all the backlog maintenance needs that we have out there, uh, but it will definitely uh, make a big dent in that. And so that when you go to your public lands, you have the facilities, you have the roads that will make your experience, you know, a great one. And, and so this is, I mean, this is, I can't emphasize enough how awesome this is and none of this costs us taxpayers any money. This comes
1: off of oil and gas receipts, which I think is pretty rad. So, so the great American Outdoors Act covers the the uh, the permanent funding of the LwCF and last year the dangle Johnson Natural Resources Act you know permanently established LwCF now we've got the permanent funding and as you just said, now we've got funding for all this public land maintenance stuff like trail work road work facilities, et cetera et cetera all this stuff's happening it's 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 amazing but it's also a little bit head-scratching in that just... A year and a half ago or so, in the fall of 2018, we were worried that LWCF was going to be gone, right? It expired. We couldn't get people to rally around, or at least we couldn't get politicians to extend it and keep it going. That happened. Uh, when we saw the current administration put out their budget just a few weeks ago, they proposed slashing land and water conservation funds funding by 97%. So just like a month ago, they came out and said they wanted to cut 97% of the funding. And then... This week, or a couple days ago, last week, now they said, now we want to 100% fund it. How do you make sense of this huge turnaround? I mean, crazy flip of, of events. How do you make sense of this?
2: I think, I mean, I'll, I'll start with kind of like the sunset, which you talked about that happened a year and a half ago, where kind of this this funding mechanism went away. And I think the angst that was felt by the people, um, you know, I think there's been a huge education effort by backcountry hunters and anglers and I think a lot of other organizations around land and water conservation funds. So when that sunsetted, people understood what that meant. And and so they're, you know, the the ire that they shared with their elected officials was pretty extreme. Um, you know, there was the whole shutdown that happened uh, last year and this current reauthorization happened pretty much right when they got back. And that was because when they were home, when it was during the shutdown, people were talking to them about this. They were picking up the phone. They were sending emails. And so that public pressure, I think, really made that happen uh, last year with the with the Dingle Act. I would say that you describe it well. The administration, you know, came out with their budget. And, you know, I would say, yes, it was 97%, but it was basically they zeroed out land and water conservation fund. And, you know, there's this thing called big P politics, right? And I think that we should all be aware of that and how important that is sometimes to move certain pieces of legislation. And so what happened is that Senator uh, Gardner from Colorado, uh, Senator Daines from Montana, they went to the White House and they said, we are in very tough Senate races. We need a win really bad. And what do we need? We need the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Now, they don't go ask about the Land and Water Conservation Fund. I will talk about Mr. Daines in particular. Mr. Daines, five years ago, round numbers, was talking about dismantling the way that Land and Water Conservation Fund is actually done. And we, as well as others in Montana, we, we pound them pretty hard about that and said, we want to keep it the way it is. And so he came around and, and, and really listened to the people, which is what they're supposed to do. And he said, okay, let's keep it the same. Now, he is going to uh, the president of the United States and asking for this to happen. And, you know, I, it's, a, it's such an awesome case of the people's voice actually matters. And so they go to the president. You know, the president comes out with a tweet last week. I mean, think about how you know, he tweets about a lot of stuff. But he tweets about the Land and Water Conservation Fund and says, you know, Congress, bring me a bill and I'll sign it. And, and that is like, I mean, it's it's just mind boggling how awesome that is and how powerful that is, especially juxtaposition when you just like, as you described, and I just said like, they had just zeroed this program out for political reasons, this is happening. And I think, you know, that doesn't happen in the vacuum. The people have made that happen. And so, you know, Mr. Gardner, I think he's down by 11 points right now to uh Hickenlooper in that race in Colorado, Uh, you know. Uh, Governor Bullock just joined the Senate race in Montana. And so, you know, Mr. Danes is nervous about that piece. And because of that, then this happens. And now, you know, I think there's, I talked talk to Julia Peoples, our, uh, 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 government affairs, um, staff were out in DC right before this call and we're at 58 co-sponsors already. And like, like you have to basically get to 60 to make this a done deal. And so I'm feeling super confident about this piece. And, you know, it, again, is introduced on late Monday night and we have 58 co-sponsors already. Like people understand how important this is and how important it is to their constituents. And the only reason they they understand that is because we, the people demanded it. And I, you know, I, you asked kind of earlier about, you know what does this mean for other things? And and to me, it's you know this momentum that we have right now that we enjoyed you know about a year ago when we passed you know land and water conservation fund permanently, and had this, you know a bunch of other land kind of a public land um, provisions within that bill that was passed. Like this is a follow up to that, and I think people should really take stock. And that their voice actually matters. Like, this has not happened because, you know, Congress got together and they said, man, you know, we should we should we should do this good thing. It was because the people demanded it. And, you know, I take stock in that is that our voice still matters.
0: Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this. okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater and use promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. and make sure to use code meat eater for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code meat eater.
1: It's kind of funny. Um sometimes I find or I think a lot of us find ourselves getting frustrated with public lands or conservation or protecting the environment becoming political like we 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 express anger or angst over the fact that these topics are um Political footballs at times are so part- partisan, but this is a situation where it's actually – I think the political nature of the issue, like you said, we've made it so that it's become a political issue so that they have to do what we say simply because they need the support across across the country in various different ways, and we are forcing the issue. So in this case, like, yeah, you can look at this and say, oh, it's, it's a political move. But I don't think we want to look a gift horse in the mouth. I think we should say, hey, we we forced a political move that benefited public lands and conservation, and that's a great thing. Like you said, this probably wasn't like a change of heart for some people maybe, but it was a, yeah, we better do this because people are demanding it. And in this case, we're making our representatives work for us, which is what we're supposed to do, right?
2: Absolutely. You know, and I think that, you know, again, like when, you know, Senator Daines and Senator Gardner could have gone to the president and talked about any issue, right? Whatever that issue is in this country. Is it healthcare? Is it, you know, immigration? Is it the economy? Whatever they were going to go say to the president, but they chose to talk about an issue that matters to all of us. And having our issues elevated as a top tier issue, you know, I think that, you know, Montana, I think it's been like that for probably a decade now. And, you know, that's, that's my recent history. Maybe that was a part of, you know, maybe like public lands and kind of conservation was part of a history before that. But I think in my time that it's become a top tier issue in Montana and is becoming a top tier issue in Colorado. And, and so, you know, the more that this is something that we raise to that level, the better. Right. And, and I, and I, I think you're right. Like I think that those political footballs, you know, I think about back to like the monument review, it happened on our national monuments. And now I'm really worried that, you know, one president's going to say monuments are awesome. And the other president's going to say oh, monuments are bad. And we're going to have this like football that gets passed back and forth that you're talking about. Um, and that frustrates me, but this case, it is absolutely awesome. I think we should all revel in the idea that the president is talking about this and that two senators went to the president and said, this is our top tier priority. Like I, like that is, that's huge for us. And as a, I think a community, and that bipartisan nature, you know, the, you know, of, of Republicans and Democrats getting together, like, like Mark, tell me, I mean, I don't, I don't know another issue where they're coming together around this. Maybe around the, maybe around this virus, the virus, happening right yeah. now, right? Yeah, like, like they they came <laughs> together there, right? They got something done very quickly. But other than that, man, they're not really coming together. And so, what do they come together on? They're coming together on public lands. Yeah. So why are they doing that? Is because the you know, public lands don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, you know, libertarian, they don't care. And we all use them. Right. So it's like, uh, it's this universal kind of uh, American thing and and they got to listen to us. So I'm, I mean, this is the precedent that this is setting. I think um, I'm knocking on wood. I'm sitting in in a hotel in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm knocking on wood, but I think that the precedent that this sends, it means nothing but good things for conservation as we move forward.
1: Yeah, and you make a great point about how this is pretty rare across the rest of our political world, across the rest of the country and a lot of issues. It's, it's actually <laughs> – I just a couple months ago wrote an op-ed about this for The Hill. And pointed to the fact that what we've seen over the last couple of years with public lands is a perfect example of how Americans can come together on things that matter by putting aside political labels and our team colors and rural versus urban or REI versus Cabela's. We can set those things aside and work together and this radical idea of civility and compromise leading to good things. And and then this thing comes along and just perfectly puts the – like a shining light on a, on the – example of that that we can point to for now decades I think Um, but to your point now we need to get it past the finish line so before I ask you about anything else other than calling our senators is there anything else we should do to make sure that the Great American Outdoors Act is passed any any other recommendations any other things we need to be thinking about keeping in mind um, or taking action on sure so I think that that so
2: the Senate is the first piece Um, and I think calling your senators is absolutely important. I think talking about this on social media, Mark, is a super important thing. Um, and I think that, you know, we all have our we all have our bases. I mean, this podcast is gonna, you know, be listened to by thousands of people and I think that like we all have our networks after that, right? And so, you know, if you're getting your teeth cleaned at the dentist or if you're getting your hair cut, where at the barber shop, whatever you're doing, I think talking about this piece and how awesome it is, I think is a moment that we need to seize upon. Uh, and I think there's, you know, besides the immediate kind of piece of that, um, i and trying to get this legislation passed, is there's this education moment as well. And, and so there's that piece. Now the house is talking, their house leadership is talking right now with the Senate. And I think we're going to have, uh, companion legislation that looks exactly like what happens in the Senate. And so I, I have very, you know, a lot of confidence that the house will do exactly the same thing that the Senate is doing, but don't think that, you know, once the Senate, you know, passes this, which I think will happen uh, within the next two weeks. Uh, they go on recess next week. I think it'll be one of the first things that they do when they return. And Mr. Danes has done a procedural thing where it doesn't have to go through committee. It just goes straight to the floor for a vote. But then we have the House. And I think, you know, while I, I think the House will be supportive, I think that's another opportunity for us all to get engaged um, and, and really call our people um, that represent us and then, you know, it goes to the president. And what I would love is to have just these overwhelming majorities. I mean, the president already, you know, in his tweet, he said, send me something. I will sign it. But I have full confidence that he's going to sign it. But I would love for that to go to him from the Senate and the House, just overwhelming majorities and that we can all you know, kind of sit back and celebrate. So that's kind of like I, I feel like the I think the calling piece is super important. Um, you know, we have an email we've, I think we've sent almost 10,000 emails, uh, uh, through our system right now at BHA. Uh, there's, that's, that's another opportunity to send emails, but I think that piece about talking about this to your friends and family and acquaintances is such an important deal. And I think there's a lot of people probably that don't know what the land and water conservation fund is. Um, there's a lot of people that probably think their voice doesn't count. And like you start talking about this, that's this like momentum that we get, and not only do they get educated about what this is, but then they're like, whoa, like our actual government is working for me. And and I think you know that's what they're supposed to do. But I think there's a lot of uh disenfranchised with that right now. And and so I think the more we talk about this and then we get a big win, let's celebrate like it's like nineteen ninety nine, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's like it's a it's a big one.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's something we said about revel reveling in that a little bit and and, and like you said, again, seeing our voice does matter. And I think that's that's something I've been thinking a lot about is is I do think that this is probably gonna be one of those things that when you read a book about the history of public lands and you're reading it in twenty fifty, they'll be writing about this. They'll be writing about the late twenty teens and the early twenty twenties and this movement, this moment. Um what do you think? Tell me two things. Number one, what do you think that we've been doing well over the past few years that have led to this? And what are a few things that you think that we haven't been doing so well, that if we want to keep the momentum, we've got to change? Is anything that you can point to? Because we went from this point, you know, 10 years ago, uh, six, seven years ago, where we were really concerned about our public lands, in some cases, being transferred or sold away, we had this serious rise of concern around it. And now here we are in 2020 with landmark positive public land progress. Um, What do we do? Well, what aren't we doing well enough? That's Great. First, uh, I will read that book when you write it. (laughs) Okay. I'll do a sequel. (laughs) Like
0: I'm going to hold you
2: to that. uh, (laughs) So please do that. Um, But I think, you know, back to like what we're doing well, I think it's education then. And, you know, I I get up at these pint nights or conferences or wherever I'm speaking, and, you know, for the last seven years, I've, you know, I've talked about this issue of the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And, that's you know, 10 years or seven years ago, let's say, when I first started at VHA, and a group of people, if I said, hey, how, how many people know about the Land and Water Conservation Fund? I'm like, raise your hand. There might be 10% of the people in that room that raised their hand. Um, they did not know about this. And if I, you know, I've I've got a... Uh, event tonight here in Omaha. Um, and I'll ask that question. I almost guarantee you that like 80 to 90% of the people are going to raise their hand and they know about this issue. So what are we doing? Well, I think we're educating. And, and I say that from backcountry hunters and anglers, I say that from Mark Kenyon, I say that from meat eater, I feel like that's been like a, uh, a universal effort by our community is to educate all of us, and the masses on what the land and water conservation fund is on what public lands are and what they mean to us, how they came about, you know, my, my mentor, Jim Pazowitz, which is his 85th birthday this last weekend and something he's always pounded into me is like, you, they got to know the story. They got to know the story. And once people find out about how we got our public lands and that, you know, it, it hasn't happened by accident, then they understand that they got to be a part of it. And so I think what have we done? Well, I think education, um, what have we done that hasn't worked so well? I, I think that it, I think we could always do better at the education, right? I think that and that's, you know, I don't, I don't, some of that, um, you don't want to pound into people's heads, right? Like they turn off. Like, I think the education is like a, a thing that you get in doses and it's more almost like osmosis and it is like, you shall learn this. Um, so I think we could be doing better there. Um, I think that that's a great question on what we could do better. I, I feel like the sportsman's community as a whole, like we could be just better advocates. And what I mean by that is that it's not enough to buy, you know, your license. It's not enough to like, you know, buy your guns and ammunition and all that money that you spend on your licenses. And then a portion of those, you know, proceeds from your guns and from your, from your, uh, ammunition goes back to conservation. Like that's not enough. And I, I feel like, like we need to be a, do a better job about, um, that piece. And the second piece I would say is that I don't think, I think we're on the cusp of it. Um, but you know, I think we can do a better job reaching out to people that don't hunt and fish. And as our, our numbers dwindle in this country, as far as overall percentage of hunters and anglers compared to the, you know, the overall population, like we're never going to, we're never going to, you know, increase that necessarily. we might, You know, we might get new hunters and anglers, but as far as the overall percentage, it's going to continue to go down. And so I think one thing we could be doing way better is really working with folks who don't pull the trigger, rip lips. And, and I, if we do that, then they understand like more about us as hunters and anglers and what we care about conservation. And then we get to know them better and, you know, they're not just mountain bikers or climbers that just want to kind of use the outdoors and don't really care if there's animals out there or don't really care about conservation. I think that shared understanding and that shared, uh, uh, I guess, ethos is something that I think we're missing a little bit right now. And so I think we could do a
1: way better job there. Yeah, that, that definitely seems from everything I've seen and, and learned over the years that we have to have that coalition approach. We can't tackle this thing on our own. We need the whole outdoor community whether you do our thing or do something else. We got to find ways to come together. Um so yeah, that's that's important. I, I'm I'm curious about another thing going on here. Yeah. There's this is this is a huge win if it if it gets passed. We're, we're we're riding on a high right now. But at the same time, if you look over the last handful of years, you can also point to a whole lot of slashes and cuts and this place is opened up to more drilling and this place is going to be opened up to more logging and this place is going to be cut out and this place is going to get roads. And it's this whole death by a thousand cuts thing that has been going on. And then you have a big win like this. Are you are you still worried about the death by a thousand cuts type of issues? Or do you feel like we're getting enough momentum that those things are going to come to a halt as well? Or let me rephrase this question. Um, Are you worried at all that we will be blinded by our happiness with this win and forget about all these other smaller things that are happening more locally? Um, Or I don't know, make sense of any of that if you can. (laughs) No, I, I
2: I think I I really enjoy the question. Um, Access is easy, right? Like land and water conservation fund is all about like access and growing this public estate and easier for people to rally around. I think the backlog maintenance piece that, you know, Mr. Heinrich from New Mexico really pushed. And that's why it's in the bill. Like I, like that's pretty easy stuff. It's it's really easy to like, okay, we want that. And I, I, what I hope Mark is it's like a gateway drug, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah. like we get, we get a little bit of this juice, right. And like get excited and like, we get a win. And then we pivot that into, you know, places like the Arctic national wildlife refuge yeah. that's under threat or the boundary waters is under threat or, uh, the clean water act that just got rolled back that, mm-hmm. you know, puts at risk, you know, prairie potholes in particular, which is the duck factory of the world. Like I, like those ones, I mean, I think those landscapes, the boundary waters in the Arctic are probably, you know, pretty iconic, but when you get into like funding for our public lands, or when you get into like grazing kind of rules, or you get into like the Clean Water Act, like people just aren't as fired up about that stuff. And what I hope happens out of this is that, that, that we celebrate, right? I think it's super important for us to throw a huge party once this all gets done um, and just revel in that piece that, you know, you and I, and you know, hopefully everybody listening to this was a part of, but then let's take that momentum and look at other issues, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, you know, the clean water act is going to rise necessarily to the importance, um, that land and water conservation fund, but it damn well should, you know, like that, that's stuff that we should be doing and the people should be demanding. I mean, like clean water, like, why is that so hard to like, advocate for? That should be yeah. a no brainer. And I, and so I, 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 Mark, I, you know, my glass is always half full with me and I have a lot of hope that, um, the momentum that we're, you know, creating, I think from, I think it started back with the, the push against Chaffetz when he, you know, Congressman Chaffetz when he tried to sell, uh, 3 million acres, yeah. you know, what was that three or four years ago? Like the, the sportsman's community rose up and they said, hell no.
1: Yeah.
2: And then he pulled it back and we were like, whoa. Like our voices actually do better. <laughs> and then, you know, you have the vote last year, you know, the permanently authorized land and water conservation fund. And then, you know, there's 700 pages of that bill. It had a bunch of public lands protections in there. You know, like I think they they uh, did mineral withdrawals uh, uh, on a site outside of Yellowstone and the mineral withdrawals in the Metzal Valley in Washington. And so like that momentum that we're having and that we have right now, like let's revel in it, but like let's, like we can't sit on the couch or sit on the porch and clink our beers and then talk about this for the next 30 years that like we got a lot more stuff to do. Yeah. And, and this, this whole thing is like, it's a, it's, and, and if you look at history and I think that's why Jim Pazza was pounded that into me is, is that like, it's not like we get to like get something done and then we just get to like, you know, wash our hands and we're done. Like this is a thing that constantly has to happen and we have to be engaged. And, and, and to me, um, I'm hoping that's what comes out of this whole thing.
1: Do you find – there's this – one of the things I learned through the process of, of writing my book was the fact that you kind of see that – I can't remember where I heard this or where I read this. Someone – I got this somewhere. They point out the fact that when it comes to protecting public lands or conservation, um, we have to – if we win a, a fight – we have to keep on defending it. So if we protect a landscape or something, we have to keep on protecting, keep on protecting, keep on fighting because there's constantly going to be attacks on it. Constant. It's gonna. It's never going to end. On the flip side, if the anti-public land or the folks that want to develop a piece of ground or something, if they win, they win just once and there's nothing we can really do about it. They've. They've. We've lost that piece of ground or we've lost its pristine wilderness nature or whatever it might be. Um, we've got to keep going and going and going. It's an, like you said, it's a never ending fight. Do you find that? depressing or invigorating and like that's the kick in the ass that gets you up in the morning how do you look at that kind of thing
2: Uh, depends on the day right (laughs) (laughs) i think i think sometimes you know like myself personally i feel overwhelmed and feel like we're losing and uh, i feel depressed um there's other days where i feel that like you and i are part of this like conservation movement that's you know, 130, 40 years old in this country. And how lucky are we to like, try to carry on that legacy. And in this case that we're talking about today, actually build on it. Right? like, how lucky are we? Yeah. And so I, 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 I have ebbs and flows there for sure. Um, uh, but I think, you know, again, like I'm more of a glass half full and, you know, I start looking at my, you know, my young kids, you know, Sydney's 11, Collins eight. And, like, you know, all our job is right now is to pass what we've inherited on and in either a sane way or better to them so they have something to fight for. You know, and I, and it's, it does seem daunting. It seems exhausting. Um, but, man, you, me and you wouldn't even be having this conversation if those people hadn't come before us, right? And so, true. and so we are lucky if we do what we're doing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's about us find out who's next, you know, who's that, who's that next leader? Who's that, you know? And again, like no matter where you are on that spoke of kind of like this wheel that is spinning, right. Whether you are in the center of it as, you know, a Senator or whoever, or on the, on the edges on somebody who just made a phone call or sent an email, like you're part of this conservation kind of process. And it's important for us all to be a part of that and, So I have I have great hope Um, uh, and I get inspiration from things like that we're talking about today that like actually we're going to be okay. But I will say there's some days that I feel beat down. and um, I think there's others that feel beat down, too. And I think that's natural. But like, man, we're we're in the fight, like right. Like we're in the arena. And I think that's pretty awesome.
0: Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, it's not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy, it's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater and use promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition and make sure to use code meat eater for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code meat eater. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of go back and forth on it just like you. Um there's that Leopold line where he said the the curse of an ecological education is that you live in a world of wounds. So the point being that if you once you start paying attention to this stuff, you notice all of the depressing things, the daunting things. Um but then to quote another more uh Current person, uh, Yvonne Shenard always says that the best cure for depression is action. And that's what I always am trying to remind myself. Like Whenever I'm upset about something or depressed about something when it comes to these things, just, just do something. Maybe it's just a phone call. Maybe it's just a tweet. Maybe it's talk to a friend. But that little bit of action, I think, is the best way to uh, to keep this stuff going. And you mentioned your kids. That's been the thing that I think lit a fire under my ass more than anything was uh, having kids I have, I have a two-year-old now and then now four-week-old so i have two boys and just totally changes your perspective um i don't know i i, I don't want to get too wishy-washy about stuff but it, it's it's really changed how i think about all this because it's not just about you know me anymore it's not just about you it's it's about the next generation in a really tangible way
2: yeah and I, I think that perspective is really important. And we're both fathers and congratulations, by the way, Thank you. Um, that is awesome. I hope you're sleeping. some. you sound <laughs> a little, uh, pretty a little, coherent. A so. little
1: bit, a little bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's good. Um, but even people that don't have kids, man, like, like, like just realize again, this story about how we got our public lands and we haven't really, I mean, you, I think your book definitely dove right in the middle of that. Is it like, let's know the story. And then like, how lucky are we to be able to like carry that on, you know, and and whether you have kids or not, you know, I think that um, it's pretty exciting that you, that you, that we are, you know, what we have here in the United States, what we have in North America is super unique and it didn't happen by accident and it's not going to be carried forward by accident either. And how lucky are we that we, the people can dictate how that happens. And, you know, if we don't, if we, if we, you know, sit back on that porch and, you know, drink that beer and are like, ah, we're done now. Like, like we will lose it all. You know, we we will lose it all. And, um, we have to stay engaged. And I, I think that's actually, to me, that's an exciting thing, um, that we actually have the opportunity to do that. Right. There's many other countries in this world that don't enjoy the embarrassment of riches that we have. And, and even if they have them, like they, they don't have the ability to have a voice on how they're managed or and, and what happens with those kind of, uh, whether that's public wildlife or our public lands and public waters. And so like think about how lucky you are and then stay engaged. That's, that's I, my big message, I guess, for
1: people. Yeah, yeah, we, we do. Uh, we do have a pretty good, speaking of opportunities, there's something I, I, I should have mentioned earlier. I want to get your perspective on what's the story on the map land act. That's another piece that was just recently introduced, related to public lands. Um, can you give us a scoop on that? Yeah,
2: so there's a lot of inaccessible public lands uh, in the United States. You know, whether that's if you look at a map in Montana, you know, the when the railroads came through, they got every other section, and so then they sold that privately, and so now you have you know public land, private land, public land, private land. So you have situations like that, or you have situations where you have a piece of uh, public land um, that uh, is donated by private land. And, you know, and so you have, if you think about that on the map, that's that, that, that square that has nothing but private land all the way around it. And so we have these inaccessible public lands in the United States. And I think that, you know, we're trying to figure out like where these things are and then figuring out like, how do we get to them? And I think the MAP Act does that. And, you know, things like the Land and Water Conservation Fund that we were talking about earlier or uh, FLITFA, which is like the worst acronym in the world, the Federal Land Transaction Facilitation Act, um, like they help us get to these places, but we don't like we're trying to identify where those things are. And so I think that um, this helps us do that in a much better way. Um, and, you know, on our public lands that belong to all of us. And I think there's cases I mean you're going to hear me say this and um, I hope people hear this strongly. But like there may be some places that, you know, we want to divest. There may be some public land that doesn't make sense for us, the people to own. But let's figure out what those places are. And let's figure out those places that actually you know, really matter to us. And and I think you know that's that's part of this process that we're
1: talking about. Do you worry at all about the slippery slope argument to that, where if we start saying we're okay with some of that divesture, in in the in the right places in the right ways, that folks will take that inch and make it a mile when we're not looking?
2: I think. Uh, do I worry about that? Uh, yes. Um, but am I confident in the people? Absolutely. And so, you know, I think that again, I mean, it goes back to I mean, basically the crux of this whole conversation is that we have to stay engaged and we have to be educated on what's going on. And so if that stuff is happening, you know, in the dark of night, yeah, it makes me really freaked out. If that's happening in a public process, again, where we're deciding kind of, you know what's important, or what is something that yeah that doesn't that doesn't necessarily make sense for us to have in public ownership. Like as long as that's happening in a public way and we're engaged, I am totally comfortable with that. And so I think what we have to stay vigilant about is you know things like you know when Mister Shafitz, you know Mister Shafitz, we introduced that bill uh, to sell three million acres. He had done that before, right? Um, but nobody really paid attention, right? Like he hadn't had the pushback like he got, and so. When that actually happened and, you know, <laughs> Joe Rogan and Steve, like picked this up, I changed the game, man. And it's because people were paying attention. And so to me, you know, I think it's just, <laughs> we have to stay vigilant. And, um, and so I don't, I don't mind the process at all. I think that, again, it's a good conversation to have. And we're willing to have that conversation, you know, from back on and anglers, I'm willing, you know, as the CEO to have that conversation but let's do that in a public way versus kind of like these um, potential like kind of backroom, back, you know, backroom deals. And, and if we if we do that, I'm I'm confident we'll be fine. Yeah.
1: So so then tell me this. What's we're going to rally the troops. We're going to get our senators to pass this. We're going to get the House to pass their version. President's going to follow through on his word and this is going to become a law. It's going to be a huge win. What. Do you anticipate being the next rallying point? We 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 set we talked. You mentioned possibly the, the the issue around the Clean Water Act. There's everything going on with the Boundary Waters. There's the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge getting opened up. There's Bristol Bay continuing to be at risk of the mine. There's the Tongass National Forest with the Rollis rule. There's the whole Bears Ears thing that's been going on for years now. If you had to point at what you think might be our next major rallying point, what do you think? that would be what should we turn our because we're kicking ass we're kicking ass and taking names these last couple of years yeah. where where should yeah. we turn our attention to next
2: i think it's a great question mark and i think i think the iconic landscapes that you just described are absolutely what we need to turn our attention to and you know the there's many things that we could talk about right now kind of still that are happening at a federal level well that's like with the, the next farm bill and conservation reserve program, or, you know, again, clean water. I think those are major, major issues. But as you said earlier, like we only have to lose once, right? Like the boundary waters that mine goes in, right? That changes that landscape forever. Bristol Bay, you know, that mine goes in up there. Like that changes that landscape forever. Like we don't ever get that back. And so I think, you know, if, I think for me personally, I think our organization and then folks listen to this, think about those landscapes that are important to you, and and really I think these iconic places like the Boundary Waters, like Bristol Bay, like Tongass, like uh, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Now I've never been to the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, but holy cow, do I want to protect this because it's like this, it's like this uh, uh, dream of mine to go up there, right? Like I just like this this special place that belongs to you and I and everybody on this, you know, that's listening to this and we may never go there. I may never go there, but Holy cow. Is that like, like what a what a special thing that we have and, and why would we try to defile that? And so I think like, I think turning our attention to these iconic landscapes, you know, I have been in the boundary waters. Um, it's just this amazing, amazing, amazing place. It's mm-hmm. the number one visited wilderness in the, in the country. Um, it's, uh, I'm taking my kids there in August this year. Nice. Like that place dude is like, and if we all turn our attention to that, like we did on this land and water conservation fund, like we protect that place for all future generations. Like all we have to do is like get the mineral withdrawal, you know, that is south of there. That's all we have to do. And then it's protected forever. Like we don't have to worry. We can put that one aside. And I think like that, you know. And I think Bristol Bay. I mean, we. Are, I mean, again, we talked about these landscapes. I think finding those landscapes that are important to you. And you know, I talked about earlier with the public lands package that was passed last year, like the mineral withdrawal for the Metal Valley, the mineral withdrawal outside of Yellowstone. I like, find those places that are key to you and turn your attention to that and be like a dog on a bone, man. Like don't let that thing go. And um, use your voice. And I think. You know, that I, I would, that's what I suggest to anybody that's listening to this. That's what I'm going to suggest to, like, my North American board and the staff that we really pivot into is really take this momentum and look at these, you know, special landscapes. Um, because if they're defiled, we don't ever get that back. And, you know, if the Land and Water Conservation Fund didn't pass, would that be horrible in a lot of ways? Yes. But is that going to be, you know, are we really going to lose something in a lot of ways? no like this is a huge opportunity with that but these landscapes man if if you if you lose these special places you never ever get it back and i don't i don't ever want to be you know on a phone with you or in person talking about man remember that thing we tried to do on that landscape and it didn't work out and now there's like this huge problem like i don't i don't want to have that conversation
1: you know i really
2: don't and so i think that's it's a long way of saying like, let's turn our attention to those special places.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm right there with you. And uh boundary waters is a great, a great example of a place that needs our, our love and attention after getting to see it last year. I'm, I'm smitten just like you are. That place is special. <laughs> so uh, I
2: love that word, by the way, smitten is one of my favorite <laughs> words. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe you already answered my last question. Uh, but, we got to revel a little bit in these places we love so much. What public land adventure of your own coming up in 2020, are you the most excited about?
2: You know, I think I did just mention that I think the boundary waters and it's not for me, it's for my kids and my wife. Um, You know, I, I, we just just got back from uh, Mexico Now, everybody listening is going to think that all I do is just go travel um, to these awesome places, (laughs) which is not the case at all. I mean, I got, cell phone ear and, uh, and typewriter hands. Um, but we're going to go into the boundary waters in August. And, you know, what I'm excited about is like, you know, showing a landscape to them that they heard me talk about a lot, but I can't wait for that first fish for Colin or for Sydney to catch. I like, like that, that excitement that they feel when they do that, like I'm living vicariously through them, like I'm a little kid again, and i I just so i'm I'm man I, that trip, I'm like just chomping at the bit around uh we just uh put it on the calendar you know in our lives like if something goes on the calendar, actually it's going to happen mm-hmm. you know <laughs> <Like> there's so <laughs> it's, much it's important soccer and school and like whatever you know there's all in my travel like there's all these things, but once we block it out on the calendar, we're gonna do it so that's what I'm most excited about is going up to
1: the Boundary Waters. That's awesome. That's definitely on my list once the boys get old enough. Uh, definitely want to take them out there too. That was the one of the first things me and my buddies were talking about while we were there last fall was, oh, we got to get back with the family someday. So yeah, pretty special yeah. place. Well, Land, can you do me one more favor? Can you give us that phone number one last time for how people can call their senators to make the GAO Act, the Great American Outdoors Act, a reality? What was that? Absolutely. So
2: it's 202-224-3121. And then you're going to get a switchboard. And all you need to do is just tell them where you're from and then ask them to connect you to your senator. And uh, you'll have to make two phone calls because you can't, just, you can't just pass them through on both. But like, that's all you have to do. Ask them, uh, you know, to pass
1: this bill as soon as possible. Perfect. All right, Land. well, thank you for keeping us informed. Thanks for helping us stay engaged. And uh, I'm going to keep on pulling you on here once a year for good news, okay?
2: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's make a point that like, like again, that we're getting that done, right? I would love if you and I are getting on the phone once a year to celebrate, that's a pretty cool
1: thing. Right? I think we should do it. <laughs> All right, Lane. <laughs> thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mark. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for listening. Make sure you call, you email, you tweet, you Facebook, you go knock on the doors of your senators and make the great American Outdoors Act a reality. We've got the power. We've got their ear. Let's just make it happen. So until next time, thank you and stay
0: wired to hunt.
1: at your local auto parts store, or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.